Hello, I'm Joe Watson. And I'm Josh Newman. And this is Literally, What Does That Mean? The show where we take pop culture references a little bit too literally. Wake me up when September ends Like my father's come to pass Seven years has gone so fast Wake me up when September ends Beautiful. Beautiful. That sounded great. It sounded really like Green Day, that I thought. I thought it wasn't Green Day. What? Um, so, today's show, you might have realised, we're doing the great Green Day hit, uh, Wake Me Up When September Ends. And there's actually a whole host of stuff we could have focused this episode on. I mean, it has a, it has a line which says, Here comes the rain again, falling from the stars. I mean, I don't really think that's what happens in a normal precipitation event. No, right? So... It, we could have done a whole episode, and we might come back to that. That is a question which needs answering. Really? Two two episodes on, on the same song? Well, it's quite a it's complex a song, song mm. really. But we're instead going to focus on this, this line which says, seven years has gone so fast, wake me up when September ends. So seven years being sort of out of it is a long time. Mm, longer than your average sleep. Well, some people. <laughs> people. <laughs> um, so that's all got us thinking. What, what events trigger that length of comatose state mm, it's sort of like a hibernation event absolutely probably. yeah and we all know what a hibernation state is you sort of go into animals especially around winter go into a dormancy mm-hmm. and it helps them to reserve their stocks of um <coughs> whatnot nutrients fats yeah. whatever animals need to live mm. we're not biologists or anything we should <laughs> it's not like we should know this <laughs> in fact i researched this dj how well, fascinating. In hibernation, there's a, a, a protein called EIF2-alpha, and this becomes phosphorylated during hibernation, which causes you to make far, far fewer proteins, which saves energy for the animals, so that they're in a state of, you know, almost no um, making proteins. That's pretty efficient, really. So mm. you reduce um, sort of the load of making things that your cells has to go through, so mm. you conserve energy and you can stay asleep without having to eat for longer. Yeah. makes sense. I mean, they very specifically say seven years. Mm. I mean, that's not a normal hibernation period for a sort of normal, no. not nocturnal, di- diurnal. Diurnal, is that the word? I don't know. No, biannual. <laughs> biannual. <laughs> Animals. So wh- why might this be seven years? Well, I actually had an, an idea about this because there are some uh, fascinating insects. I don't know if you know about cicadas. Yes, Joe, I know a lot about cicadas. I've definitely heard of them before tonight. <laughs> well, cicadas, or cicadas, I don't know. Cicadas, cicadas. They are some insects, and they lie dormant underneath the ground um, for a set number of years and then emerge. But what's really, really cool about them is that different cicada species have different lengths of time they spend dormant. That is so cool, Joe. Oh, my God. Cool. Blow my mind. Cool. <laughs> why it's cool is that the uh, periods they spend underground, although they differ between species, are always prime numbers because it means that, so say one's like 13 years and one's uh, 17 years. Yeah, think rid of the prime number quickly. <laughs> <laughs> then it means that they will only coincide emerging together once every 13 times 17 yeah. years. So like, That's crazy. Mm, really cool bit of biology. But like, That's kind of blown my mind. Mm. Prime number. How does biology work like that? Well, I mean, evolution is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And you might have noticed, seven, it's a prime number. 
Oh, of course it is. So this fits quite nicely, actually. I mean, I think this fits on the Cicada model. So we did a little bit of a research. We got in contact with Professor David Huffman, uh, who worked at the Department of Biology in, in Texas State University and actually did this. And I asked him whether uh, cicadas had seven-year cycles. Um, and he said, you know, he hasn't done any work on them for years, unfortunately, actually. Um, but cicadas don't generally have a seven-year cycle. Um Oh, that's a bit disappointing. There might be the odd species, but... Yeah, so this kind of weighed in on the question as to whether uh, Billy Joe Armstrong, who's the lead singer of Green Day, whether he is a cicada. In my head, Billy Joe Armstrong is the person that landed on the moon. Who's that? Buzz... No. Buzz... Uh, Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not related, I'm assuming. No. So Joe and I are actually in disagreement over this fact. I personally don't think that Billy Joe Armstrong is a cicada. Mm, I really think he is, actually, because Billy Joe Armstrong was born in California. I mean, cicadamania.com cites that there are 89 different species of cicada there. It's a cicada-rich area. Yeah, but I think there are a lot of people in, in California as well, and I'm pretty sure they're not all cicadas. Mm, only one species of people, though, so actually... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're kind of outnumbering them. Yeah, 89 to 1. <laughs> oh, yeah, strong argument there, Joe. Mm-hmm. But Billy Joe Armstrong is significantly bigger than a cicada. In fact, cicadas are normally sort of a little bit bigger than 60 millimetres. No, only the big ones. Yeah, well, this is a giant cicada. Mm, Quesada gigas. Quesada gigas. Yeah. Which is definitely not the name. Mm -hmm. Um, But Billy Joe Armstrong is 170 centimetres. But actually, have you ever measured a cicada? I mean, online, we can only find that they're greater than 60 millimetres. 170 centimetres is bigger than 60 millimetres. I've literally never seen a cicada. I've literally never heard of it. So I've definitely never measured one. Also, I think Billy Joe Armstrong, he's shorter than Mike Dirt. I mean, Mike Dirt is the co-founder of Green Day, and he's 178 centimetres. So I think... You know, it's more likely Billy Joe Armstrong as a cicada than Mike Dirt. Some weird mutant cicada that has grown to 170 centimetres is going to dominate the world with its weird I think, cicada-ness. You know, possibly. Um, so we did put this to a Twitter vote, and it was quite contentious, actually. We had, you know, it was close, 60-40 split, but actually, unfortunately, I have to say, 60% of people agreed with Josh and thought that Billy Joe Armstrong probably isn't a cicada. And 40% of people slightly bizarre. Mm, but one... Didn't know what a cicada was, probably. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, also, I really, really think... We got a recording from um, Professor David Huffman, actually, of uh, a cicada... Uh, a cicada <laughs> singing. Cicada. And... How do you say it, Joe? How can you prove your point? <laughs> and we'll play this to you now. And just... Um, I mean, I, I think this sounds... If you just remember the... Wake me up when September ends... And then the cicada... Yeah. Sounds like a voodoo zella. <laughs> Is that it as well? The weird. <laughs> yeah. That's a bit creepy, really. I think. Mm. I'm, but I'm really sorry, Joe. I don't think it sounds like Green Day. Mm. And to be honest, a point of biological contention here they're technically not hibernating. Instead, they're just sort of in a larval stage and they're trapped mm. there. No, you are right. I mean, Billy Joe Armstrong definitely said he's been asleep, and yeah. we sort of equated that to hibernation. And being in a larval state of development isn't that. Yeah. So I mean, we we're not quite on the same page, but I think we we have to proceed in the podcast uh, on the assumption that um, Billy Joe Armstrong is not a cicada. We'll continue this argument after the podcast. <laughs>
So, if Billy Joe Armstrong isn't a cicada, mm. why is he hibernating in the first place? And that's the next important question. It is the next important question. And this is where actually we, we've uncovered real ground, I think, this week. Because we had a look at when Green Day have released uh, their, their albums. And their first album, uh, 39 Slash Smooth, I've definitely heard of that album. Well, very fair. They're, they're very first, famous. <laughs> okay. yeah, their first big album, released in 1990. Then their next, I mean, their most successful, well, not most, actually, second most successful probably album is Nimrod, which is their fourth album. And it went double platinum, it's highly critically acclaimed. And when was that released? In 1997, I believe. Hmm, seven years after the first great record. Oh, I see where this is going. Finally, American Idiot. I mean, that is... No, I their, know that one. I yeah, actually know that one. <laughs> number one record. It's got... Yeah. You have to be an American idiot. And, and it's got this song. This song, went, yeah. yeah. And Boulevard of Broken Dreams. That is a classic. So what this is that while I was playing The Sims 2 oh. back in the day. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, but critically, American Idiot... When was it released? 2004. And my maths is correct. thinking that's a seven-year period. Yeah. Seven-year yeah. periodicity. Sweet. So... so Maybe, you know, it's it's a way of, you know, reinstating their their greatness. That They can't do it all the time. They come back every seven yeah. years. And I guess, like, seven years is enough time for people to forget kind of who they are. And they're like, oh, you remember Green Day? And then all of a sudden, Green Day are there again. And they're like, we've got a new album. And it's like, oh, my God, Green Day. Exactly, yeah. And evidence that, uh, further evidence, actually, that he hibernates, um, you know, which fits with this idea, really, is that, I was reading a Flipside magazine, which in 2002 he stated that he he was he he had lost a huge amount of weight, which happens in hibernation because obviously you don't eat in that time. Um, and I mean, he blamed it on vegetarianism, but actually, probably it was just because he was hibernating. Yeah, all these people that blame uh, weight loss and vegetarianism are definitely just hibernating. <laughs> That's the solid conclusion we come to here. Yeah, and I mean, weakening my stance that. Uh, He's a cicada, actually, is some more evidence that cicadas don't wake up early. They're very good at not waking up early. And we should note that Green Day did release other albums. I mean, pretty poor albums, it has to be said. said. Um, but, you know, that's probably why they're less successful, actually, because they come yeah, out of the seven-year period. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. We mm. should pass that piece of information on to them if they want to already. Yeah. So since 2004, there's been another seven-year gap since then. So there should have been an album in 2011. Mm. But there wasn't, was there? No, there wasn't, which is interesting, actually. It does. Although, in 2004, he is asking people to wake him up in seven years' time. Clearly his alarm clock isn't very good. No, so actually, maybe people just ignored him. They didn't. Un- if this podcast, if it had come out in time... Might have actually reminded him to wake up and release that fourth, fifth album, whatever number it is. Yeah, we might have had a better album uh, than the one released late in 2012, Uno Dos Tres. Three albums, in fact. Literally. They're all... Th- <laughs> There are three albums. One, the first one called Uno, the second one's called Dos. Yeah. That's like a crappy version of Adele. 1921, <laughs> 23. Yeah, make it Spanish <laughs> and then it'll sound. Yeah. It'll sound exotic. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, they speak of three albums made in a big rush. I've literally never heard of this. Because you've been working up late, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, and actually, these three albums, because they've come out of the periodicity, I mean, when we look on ultimateclassicrock.com, they rated all of the albums. And uh, the bottom four were all released out of this periodicity. I really rate our references here, Joe. Yeah, ultimateclassicrock.com. Well, it's a valuable source of information for mm. many an enthusiastic podcast listener and maker. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
But we wondered uh, also whether this was just specific to Green Day or actually whether this is more generalisable to the music industry. So we found out that Coldplay... One of the great, uh, the other kind of super bands on a par with Yeah, Green yeah. Day. Also have a periodicity, I mean, it's not seven years, but it's three years. Also a prime number. Also a prime number. Mm-hmm. Going back to your cicadas. Yeah, and this really there. fits. So in 2002, they released Russia Blood to the Head. Yep, great album. Yep. Definitely heard of it. <laughs> um, in 2005, they released X and Y. Yeah. In 2008, they released Viva La Vida, or Death and All of His Friends. Yeah. In 2011, they released Milo Zylato. Yeah. And in 2014, they released Ghost Stories. Yeah, so surely there's another one coming. There's no in-between that as well. That is... 2017, yeah. That is all on track right now. Mm. That's impressive. We should get in touch with them right now just to... Yeah. Should we get to send them an email and see what they say? Yeah, and maybe like cicadas. The cicadas have prime number periodicity so that they don't come out together and compete for food. Because if loads and loads of cicadas are different species, they'll all be in competition. You can imagine lots of bands coming out at the same time. Mm, the exactly. I mean, this way. Would be full. <laughs> but this way, I mean, Green Day have not released a good album on the same year that Coldplay have. So therefore, Coldplay and Green Day have both managed to be I successful see. in their So albums. the way we should really test this hypothesis is... Every, what, seven times three years, so every 21, 21 years, years, we should see if they both release an album mm. that is excellent. Yeah, and then they'll be in competition, so they'll do less well. Yeah. It's like natural selection, but for the music industry. I feel like Simon Cowell is the natural selection of the music industry. Yeah. <laughs> My limited knowledge of how the music industry works. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just the X Factor, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the X Factor's problem. One, famously, not a prime number, therefore... The X Factor comes out every year, and that's why they can't do well every year. True, yeah, that's why they had to get rid of Sharon Cole. Mm, they should have done it every two years. Yeah. The only even prime number. Oh, great fact there, Joe. <laughs> we don't all learn that in primary school. <laughs> in primary school. Oh. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> yeah. So the final, um, the final conundrum, really, in this song is, why is it when September ends? It's a strange, I mean... October's cold, everything's falling off the trees if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, but September is kind of the turn, it's the end of the summer, the start of the autumn, people need a bit of, people need a little bit of uplifting. Mm, Yeah, I suppose. So singing depressing songs about the Boulevard of Broken Dreams is exactly what this country needs. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, we've had a little think, and we've come to the the decision that, or the opinion, that October's a great time to actually get a number one. Um, well, after so when September ends, so yeah, into October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in 2004, when um, this song was released, yeah, this album was released, the number one was Call On Me. Call On Me. Had a very saucy Call video, I remember. Me. Yeah, you've told me about that video before, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, so that only sold 23,519 mm. albums. Um, and 21,000 the week after when it was also number one. Which is pretty low for... Mm, the lowest that year. I mean, so actually the same year, you can check this on Wikipedia, they have 2004 in British music charts. Toxic, uh, Britney Spears. Uh, Listen out for that one in a few weeks. Yeah, this may be another podcast. Um, Spoiler alert. <laughs> that released 102,576. That had 102,576 purchases. Um, which is, you know, nearly five times as many as Eric Prince. But that's because she released it at the wrong time. She needed that many sales to get to number one. So, yeah, so October's an excellent time to get an album out there and not have to sell many to get to number one. Mm. Maybe they're all just really hungover from the new year, so they don't work for the first three months, I'd say. Yeah. 
And then it's summer, so it's like festival time. Yeah, need to get the songs out fast. So they, yeah, exactly. They want, and they're starting to think about next year's festivals. And mm. if you release an album in autumn of the year before, you're prime headliner at Glastonbury kind of thing. Yeah. As an expert in how they pick the headliners at Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even been to Glastonbury. I don't even know who the headliner is. When is it? I've no idea. June. I went once. June. It was great. Yeah. Did you? It just seems like a wet mud fest. In time. fact, Coldplay were there. In 2011, in fact. Oh. The year when they released Milo's Iloto. Unfortunately, I think they were also there last year. Yeah, they're there most years, I think. Okay. Last year. Well, we can just we can just ignore the one the, the data that doesn't fit ours. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> use the data that does fit our hypothesis. Yes. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but yeah, people aren't buying people Christmas presents yet. They've spent all their money in summer. It's getting cold. They don't really, you know, don't really care about life. Yeah. So on that note, Joe and I are releasing our latest album in our latest album, as if we've got another one already, <laughs> um, in October 2017. Listen out for that. Yeah. Watch out for every episode of season two in October. <laughs> <laughs> if we even get to season two. <laughs> but no, so this, I think, is how the real super bands, the reason they're super bands is because they've cracked this uh, conundrum that we've just cracked. You need to release albums, good albums anyway, in prime number periodicity of years so that you don't you know, release albums when other people are releasing albums. But equally, I think that if you just release an album sort of in a prime number of years since your last one, it's going to be good regardless of the content. Mm. And that's what it's telling us. Yeah, maybe. Or it's going to be successful anyway. Successful, yeah. yeah. And if that's a measure of how good it, it is. October, before Christmas, Yeah, you know, yeah. lowest number to get successful. So that's why you go double platinum or, you know, number ones. It's not because your content is any good. It's just because your timing is excellent. Yeah, exactly. Timing is everything, as they say. Timing is everything. This is that saying? That's the saying, isn't it? Yeah. We've made real progress this week, I think. I think we have. Um, we'll do get in touch if you find any more of the super bands which fit this hypothesis. If you find ones which don't, just ignore it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're and not interested. We'll probably do a follow-up podcast in 21 years when they... Yeah, when they co-release an album. Co-release I mean, that should album. have been 2011, but obviously um, Billy yeah. Joe Armstrong wasn't woken up in time. We have yeah. to test our hypothesis another what? Yeah, if only we'd realised he was actually asking years. for a wake-up. Yeah. Rather than, you know, just singing a silly song. So if our humble listeners are still around after that period of time, we'll what, 2032? Is it 2032? Yeah, 2032, in 21 years after 2011. Well, yeah, so if you're still around then, if we're still around then... <laughs> yeah. That's a bit dark. Yeah, but that year, <laughs> I think Coldplay and Green Day will co-release albums and... They won't do well because they're in competition. Oh, they're really old. They'll be really old by then. They'll be mm. like comeback series. Yeah, maybe. I think we've laboured this point enough. Yeah, I think we have. <laughs> <laughs> but that does bring you know bring the podcast together. I think a nice topic that we've covered and come to a solution on. Yeah, and really use the facts to hit the nail on propose the head. A, a generalised model. Use the facts that we want to hear to propose a generalised model that probably doesn't fit. Yeah. But they don't, need, they don't need to know that. No <laughs> <laughs> we can cut this bit from the podcast. I don't need to yeah. say that bit. <laughs> and uh, on that note, it's time to say goodbye. Join us next week. And subscribe to our podcast. We're on Twitter as well, mm. at literal underscore podcast. And on Facebook, uh, literally, what does that mean? All one word. Yeah, and you have to search it quite specifically. Don't use it the whole one yeah. word, because when we definitely didn't forget <laughs> what the... <laughs> What the Facebook bio of our Facebook account was, we didn't. We had to search it, and we got a long list of weird public posts, mm, including one from a uh, Lauren Dockin who said, "How much can't could a white girl can't if a white girl literally couldn't even hashtag? What does that mean? Hashtag your mum." 
Hashtag your mum. That's my favourite part of that. Mm. So, um, yeah, just all one word. Somebody totally loves her for that status. <laughs> We're not going to pick on Lauren Docker anymore, I don't think. No. So, yeah, subscribe to us and like the pages and you get lots more content from us, hopefully, one day. Yeah, see you next week. Goodbye. Au revoir. People are going to think I'm French. <laughs> <laughs>